Good morning, everybody. My name is Scott, if I haven't met you yet, and I am uh, one of the pastors here, and it was a delight to have our kids uh, sing, and uh, special thanks to Lisa and all those that were helping with uh, the music aspect of that. The only question I have, I saw cameras all over the place. What, where are they now? I just, I just feel a little, you know, disrespected at that point. We uh, have something exciting going on here in a couple of weeks, and I'm going to take just a minute to remind you about that before we get into what I'm going to be talking with you about today. Starting January 1, we are inviting all of you to embark on a journey with us of reading the Bible through in a year so that across those 12 months, you will have read the Bible from the very first word, first chapter, first book of the Bible all the way to the end. The uh, little piece that's different this time around is that we're going to do that chronologically. And if you weren't aware, the Bible is not precisely laid out chronologically. There are time overlaps and uh, something that happened later is appearing earlier in the book and so on like that. So we actually have a reading plan that we're going to be making available to you so that you can use whatever Bible you choose, your favorite Bible or a new Bible, And uh, you can follow this plan and read about six days a week for about 15, 20, 25 minutes a day. And as you do so, uh, by the time you get to the end of 2012, you will have read through the entire Bible. Now, in addition to that, every week I'm going to be speaking and teaching from selections of the readings of that week. And I'll be doing that before you do the readings of of, uh, the following week. And so I think we're off to a great adventure about that. Uh, You see on the screen a couple of tools that we made available to you. We are out of them. We did sell all of them. But there is a chronological Bible that's available to you. And Barnes & Noble, uh, Lifeway, Amazon, all those things can get it for you. But you don't have to have it. As I said, we're just going to give you the plan. Uh, We're actually uh, going to have a dedicated web page on our website that will not only have a link to the plan, but we'll also have links to other uh, reading helps. So, for example, when you get into the Psalms, that's a different kind of literature within the Bible. It's poetry. How are you supposed to approach and address poetry? So we'll have a little article that's available for you to read online, and uh, you'll be better prepared to read that kind of material and every kind of material that is in the Bible across the year. Now, it's going to call for a new habit for some of us, right? to carve out that 15 to 25 minutes a day. And uh, that's why we're inviting us to do that together, because uh, your friends, those in your share group, your your family, uh, if everybody's trying to do the same thing, we'll be mutually encouraging one another uh, in that endeavor. Uh, Look for those updates on our website by the end of this week. And, of course, they'll be there across the year for you. Now, if you're not a tech person and you're going... Can I just have a copy, a hard copy of the reading plan? I have one for you. So see me before you leave today, and I'll give you a hard copy of that reading plan, okay? Let's pray. So, Father, we have gathered in the name of Jesus to reflect on Jesus, to celebrate Jesus, to draw near to Jesus. We pray that you would... Move in us and around us in ways that we can not only sense your closeness, but that we can connect. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. 
Well, how have these days been going for you? Did you get that perfect Christmas tree? Have you got it all decorated? Is the house clean and looking festive? Were you able to find a parking spot at the mall? (laughs) Not to mention whatever gift that you went in hunt and pursuit of. You've been attending those uh, holiday gatherings and Christmas parties and office, uh, you know, events. Having a good time. I want to say to you, Merry Christmas. Uh, But I don't know if the merry part is there. Is it? Doing all right? You see, the whole thing about Christmas is it's good news. Have you ever gotten good news and you went, oh, no. Good news? Oh, what am I going to have to do about that? See, good news is the kind of thing that says, um, you're going to get a bonus this year. Everybody gets a bonus. That's good news, right? You don't like, go, oh, everybody gets a bonus. <laughs> good news is when the professor says, there's no final exam and everybody gets an A. That's pretty good, isn't it? I'm just making that up. No professor says that. <laughs> But when we have good news, it means that there is something that's going to happen for you. There's an opportunity for you, not to take from you. It's something that's going to benefit you. You're not going to have to do what you thought you were going to have to do. It's good news. And when we're talking about Christmas... When we're talking about Jesus, it is 100% good news. He said, well, Scott, there sure have been a lot of times it didn't feel like good news. There sure have been a lot of times where it kind of felt like a negative, a hit, a drain, a letdown. What's that all about? Well, let's just remind ourselves about a few things. When this thing got launched 2,000 years ago, it did so by way of an angelic announcement. We sang about that as we started the service today. And those angels declared that there's nothing to fear. There's nothing to dread. There's nothing to get all anxious and concerned about because here's the good news. A Savior has been born. God's doing something for you. God's going to bless you. God's going to benefit you. God is going to bestow upon you life. And that saving work, that life, is going to result in a peace between you and God. See, things were at odds. We were kind of sideways with God and crosswise with God and And now He is going to do something for us. He's going to gift us. He's going to bless us so that we can have peace with Him. Luke 2.14 says it this way, Glory to God in the highest, the angels sing. On earth there is now going to be peace among those with whom God is pleased. Now, the fact of the matter is, Most of us have gotten distorted messages about Christmas and about Jesus and about what God's up to with the whole thing. 
We've gotten messages like, straighten up, be good, get moral, thou shalt not. I don't know about you, that doesn't always strike me as good news. We've gotten distortions like, you've got to get back to church. What are you doing away from church? How come church isn't a part of your life? Har, har, har. We've had messages like, you need to give your life to God. And you know what? I think giving your life to God's a good idea. But that's not so much the Christmas message. The Christmas message is that God's coming to us. He's pursuing us. He loves us. The Apostle John said it this way. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. But in order that the world may be saved through him. Christmas is not about condemnation. Christmas is about redemption, salvation, reconciliation. We're told that he did not come to condemn. He came to save. You go, sometimes I feel condemned. That's a distortion. Jesus did not come to condemn you. And he didn't purpose his church to condemn you. Nor did he purpose his people to condemn you. Jesus came to deliver and save. Jesus calls his church to carry out that mission to deliver and save. Jesus calls his people to to carry out that mission to deliver and to save. Jesus came to save. That's good news. This is all because God loves. This isn't about God's manipulations, God's orchestrations, because He has some agenda that He wants to impose and force upon anybody. It's an aspect of love. For God so loved you, He did something for you. He gave. When you love, you give. And John 3.16 says, For God so loved that He gave His Son, that whoever believes has eternal life. And when we talk about eternal life, When we talk about being able to do life with God, we're talking about a state that he ushers in called forgiveness. Where he forgives transgressions, iniquities, sins, the junk of our lives. And it kind of raises the question, what's the big deal about sins being forgiven? Well, that's so we can be pardoned. Well, what's the big deal about being pardoned? Why does somebody need to be pardoned? That's so we can go to heaven. Oh, that place that has streets of gold and gates of pearl, walls of jasper, and people sit around on clouds plucking harps. What's the deal about heaven? Well, that's so that we can be reconciled. Something was between us and God. Something kept us separated from him 
And he has bridged that. He has enabled us to come close and have a relationship with him. Jesus said it this way. Here's what eternal life is all about. Here's what heaven is all about. It's not about all the the grandeur and all the the glorious stuff that you'll get to see and behold. It's primarily about you get to be up close and personal with God. The most magnificent being that ever was. The creator God, the almighty God, the all-knowing God. You get to know him. Be with him. Enjoy Him forever. Jesus said that's what eternal life is all about. Knowing the one true God. He reconciles us to Himself. And not only that, while we're here in this temporal world, that reconciliation, that bridging of the gap, that making of whatever was standing between our relationship to to go away, that reconciliation with Him empowers us to reconcile with others. So let's bring it home a little bit because when we talk about at odds with God and sideways with God and we can be reconciled to God, sometimes that can just kind of seem kind of out there. You get sideways with people? You got any people problems? You got any people relationships that are sideways? Somebody that's hurt you, somebody that you've hurt, someone that doesn't really want to see you, you don't really want to see them. The thought of actually like being in the same room or sitting at the same table just begins to create a little anxiety for you. See, that's what we're talking about with unreconciled relationships that can move to reconciliation. The ultimate treasure, the ultimate gift that we're talking about for Christmas is that you get to be reconciled to God. But a secondary byproduct gift of that is as you are being reconciled to Him, He empowers you to be reconciled to others. And it looks a little bit like this. He empowers you to be humble. It takes humility to be able to draw up close to someone with whom there are odds, there's enmity, there's some kind of problem. And our pride can get in the way. He will empower us to be humble. He will empower us to forgive or to ask for forgiveness in whichever case. Unless you've had that kind of conversation with somebody that you're significantly at odds, you don't appreciate how scary that is. That's a scary prospect for some of us. And he empowers us to have favor in the opportunity, in the experience of reconciliation. So uh, a lot of you know a good bit of my story, and I'm not going to get into a lot of it, but I, I just want to take a moment to reflect on one piece. You know that I was at odds with my uh, father for decades. Uh, From the time I was 13 until I was in my 40s, we were estranged. Hadn't seen each other, hadn't had any contact for all those years. And occasionally, some of you, some of my friends would ask me, does that bother you? Is there something you think you need to do about that? You've had all these years with no contact, no relationship, etc. And there were a lot of painful memories that I had about 
you know, what childhood experiences I did have with him. And I was like, you know, I've never had him really in my life in a positive way. So, you know, you don't miss what you've never had. That was kind of my stock answer. But it did occur to me that because the estrangement was so prolonged and so profound that probably someday I would receive a telephone call from someone who would say, uh, just thought you'd want to know your dad passed away. Well, sure enough, one of those days I got a call. And it was my dad's wife, uh, whom I'd never met. And she's on the other end and she says, I just thought you'd want to know. Your father is dying. He hasn't died yet. He's in a coma. And uh, they've just given him a little while to live. We just thought you'd want to know. And what do you do with that information? Thank you. And you hang up. And there's all kinds of crazy, mixed-up feelings that are going on inside of you. And you talk to some of your friends. And some of them pray for you. And you talk with your share group. And they care. And they pray. And after a couple of days of not exactly knowing what to do, should I go? Should I try to just be there? Should I wait until he dies? And maybe I go to the funeral. Maybe I just stay away the whole time. Who who cares? Would it make any difference at all that I'm even there? And um, I brought this up to some friends and... Some of you said to me, well, there's no question in my mind as I pray for you, I think God wants you to go. I think you need to go. Now, for everybody listening to that, you may go, duh, that's like obvious as it can be. But in the state that I was in, it was not obvious. It was a legitimate question for me. And so I decide to go. And I get on a plane. And I'm flying 2,000 miles back to Memphis and West Tennessee. And while I'm on the plane, as you can imagine, I'm like, okay, what am I about to get into? What is about to transpire? What am I about to see? How should I be prepared? God, help me. And as I was thinking these things and praying these things, I felt impressed. Get the journal out. So I reached in my bag and I got my journal out to just begin to write whatever was in my heart and whatever I felt like God might be impressing me about. And I mean, it was within a minute. I began to sense God communicating with me. No audible voices. Nobody else in the plane turned their heads to see who was talking to me. They, you know, it was just a very private internal thing. And it seemed like God said, I want you. To give my blessing, a father's blessing, to your father. I want you to go and speak my love into his life. And I want you to go and I want you to speak thanksgiving and gratitude out of your life into his life. I was was impressed about that as clearly as, as I've ever been impressed about anything. But now I had the big fat question... What? (laughs) Like what? And God, as a gracious father, began to say, like this. And I began to have memories flash in my mind that were in the positive category of where I'd had an encounter with my dad about this or an encounter with my dad about that. 
If you'd have asked me five minutes prior, did you ever have anything positive happen with your birth father? I would have said a very quick no. I can tell you a whole bunch of stuff that stunk. But all of a sudden I had, you know, a dozen things. I'm writing them down because, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. And so here's my, my, my mentality. I'm going to land the plane. I'm going to get a rental car. I'm going to drive a couple of hours to this little town in West Tennessee. And I'm going to find him comatose in a bed. And I will just, you know, they say people in comas can often hear you. I will just lean over and I will speak into his ear and hearing this blessing. Right? Plane lands. I get a rental car. I pick up the phone and I call my dad's wife and say, hey, this is Scott. I've landed. I'm about to get in a car and drive. I'll be there in a couple hours. And she says, well, guess what? He has come out of the coma. I was not excited. My picture of whispering into the ear of a non-responsive person was vanishing. And so now I'm, I'm, I'm panicking and I'm driving and, and I'm anxious. And so I get there. And when I walk into the room, you couldn't tell there was anything wrong with him. He looked as healthy. He looked great. And, you know, how do you greet each other after decades? I, everything was awkward. I mean, you get the picture. And, and so we sit down at a little round table and we're about four feet apart from each other. And we just start talking for four hours. And you say, what did you talk about? Uh, I, I wrote down almost every word of it in my journal. I have it all captured. But the short of it was this. I was able to say and speak into his life everything I felt in God impressing on my heart on the plane to say and to speak into his life. I cannot tell you the power those words had and how they hit his heart and his wife and his daughters and other people that had assembled to just kind of watch the show. I mean, you know, they're like, who's the son that none of us have ever met and we don't know anything about? It was a very powerful point of reconciliation. I can just tell you without any hesitation, without any second thought, there is no way I could ever have taken that step without the empowerment of God, without my life having already been reconciled to God and having a relationship with Him that transforms me and empowers me and does a humility work in me and does a forgiveness work in me and does a favor, giving favor kind of work in me. See, I, I could tell you dozens of stories like that that are my stories that are just evidence after evidence after evidence as to why I am forever grateful to be reconciled to God. The, all these other little stories I could tell you are wonderful gifts, powerful manifestations and displays of God's goodness and God's greatness in my life. But beyond that and behind all of that is God himself. I actually get to know the God that does all these things. I actually get to do life with the God who does all these things. And I not only get to do that with him now, I get to do that forever 
as we were talking about last week, when my life is over in this world, then the real life, the afterlife that goes on forever begins. And I get to know him and be with him and do life with him now and forever. How about you? Have you been reconciled to God? As evidenced by the reconciling work he continues to do in and through you with your other relationships. John 1.12 says it this way. But to all who did receive Jesus, who believed in Jesus, he gave the right to become a son of of God, to become a daughter of God. Do you have that sonship? Do you know what it means to be a daughter of the King? Do you sense His pleasure, His delight, His joy in you? Do you have that redemptive touch that just blesses and transforms and empowers you for what you face in this world? Man, that is Christmas. That is good news. For everyone who believes and receives. Have you? Will you? You say, what's that look like? We've been talking about it the last couple of weeks. To believe and receive looks like admitting that you're a sinner. You go, okay, I'm there. I know that part. And believing that Jesus is the Savior. He's the one that can forgive your sins. He's the one that can pardon you from the penalty. He's the one that can reconcile you to have that relationship with the Father. Do you believe that? And will you confess that? That is to say... That you will bet your life on Jesus. I not only think this stool can hold me up. I not only declare I think this stool will hold me up. I not only lean to kind of test it out. But I actually get on it and put my life. I bet my weight on this stool. That's what we're talking about. Getting in Jesus. Believing in Him. Confessing Him. Allowing Him to save you. Will you bow your head with me for a moment? I want to pray for you. Lord, you know I'm grateful for every person in the room and those that are listening to this later. And I'm grateful that you have been speaking into our hearts for these moments. It's good news. News we don't deserve. News that we don't always know what to do with. But it's incredibly good news. And I just pray for my friends. That they would have an empowerment from you right now to believe it. To trust it. To bet their life on it. 
And Father, for the, the friend who is just really challenged with an unreconciled relationship, I pray for empowerment, for a favor with the person with whom they need to reconcile, for opportunity, for words, for courage. We commit all this to you in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen.